All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And now, your host for today's program, Dale Throneberry. And welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry. I was a CW2 helicopter pilot in Vietnam, 1969. I want to welcome you to our program today. It's our benefits program. Yay! It's the end of the month. So we want to make sure I give out the number. If you have any questions for our experts today, that number is 734-822-1600. 734-822-1600. As I mentioned, it's our benefits program, and we've got with us our uh Representative from the Ann Arbor VA, Brian Hayes, was here, public relations director up there. He's going to be talking about some of the things that have been in the news about the uh, VA healthcare system. And right now, we've also got a retired Air Force Brigadier General, Carol Ann Fasson, with Legal Help for Veterans here to answer your questions. We are waiting for our other expert to join us. Hopefully, Michael will be dropping in here soon. Well, we are here for you today, and we want to make sure that um, if you do have any questions about anything doing with the VA as far as their health care or the disability benefits or anything else that you'd like to talk about, feel free to give us a call. This is your opportunity. I uh, was recently talking, in fact, I was talking to the board operator at one of our stations earlier on, and he says it doesn't hurt to repeat because, you know, not everybody's listening all the time. And so we can get in there and talk about some of the issues that maybe have, you know, come up for you. Maybe you're a younger veteran, maybe you're an older veteran, and suddenly something happens and you don't know what it is. And so find out if we can help you out there. I want to make sure that we thank our sponsors here. I want to make sure that we thank our sponsors here before we get too far along, and that is uh, Legal Help for Veterans, and Legal Help for Veterans specializes in veterans' disability claims. Uh, give them a call at 800-693-4800 or go to their website. That's LegalHelpForVeterans.com. The National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVBDC, is the nation's leading third-party authority for certification of veteran-owned businesses. For more information, you can go to their website, that's nvbdc.org, or give them a call at 888-237-8433. If you're a veteran out there and you want to do business with the federal government or with some corporations, you need to be certified. These are the guys you got to talk to. Uh, the Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan. For more information, you can go to their website, that's va.gov slash Ann Arbor Healthcare. To learn more about these organizations and their services, as well as how you can support Veterans Radio, go to our website. That's veteransradio.net slash our sponsors. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all kinds of things I can't even think of. LinkedIn is another one. Oh, and I almost forgot. I got to thank uh, American Legion Post 46 out of Ann Arbor, Michigan for their uh Support. They just dropped off a little donation last week, so we're very grateful to them. So that's the Ann Arbor Post, American Legion Post 46. Thanks, guys. Greatly appreciate that. All right. So I want to start off the program by talking a little bit with uh, Brian Hayes. And Brian is the PR guy from the Ann Arbor VA. And so, Brian, welcome back. Thanks, Dale. It's, I'm, I'm happy to be back. It's, uh, it's always a good time to come here and, and chat with veterans about all the offerings that we have. And there's a lot going on. We've been I've been reading things in the news about some changes that were were or are being proposed for the VA healthcare system. 
Sure. I, I assume you're talking about the Air Commission uh, report that was just released a few weeks ago. Yes, that would. Uh, yeah. So uh, did, did you want me to give a little background on that and kind of Please. kind of where we are in Ann Arbor? Yep. So uh, you might remember um, during the previous administration in 2018, they enacted what was called the Mission Act. Right. So that was part of, you know, getting uh, care uh, outside of the VA, different ways of getting care in the community and things like that. Well, as part of that law. Uh, VA was required to conduct a series of market assessments uh, in order to examine the future demand of healthcare services in the veteran population. The, the veteran population is size, size of the veteran population is predicted to change pretty dramatically over the next 20 or 30 years. And the location of veterans is changing. The veterans are migrating south and west. And so, you know, the VA is looking at where are we going to put our resources, right? So as part of the process, VA uh, uh, was required to submit the findings of the Air, Com- uh, 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 Air Commission and um, recommendations, right, from this independent commission. Um, and then, by the way, AIR stands for Asset Infrastructure Review. So just so you're kind of aware of that. So anyway, the uh, the report is done and it's out and it's published and it's uh, it's in review and it still has to go through Congress and it still has to go to the president. Uh, president probably won't see it until early 2023. And the thing is, though, vet, you know, you always have to remember that veterans are always at the center of what we do. It's why we're here. Right. I mean, logic will tell you that. So so uh, the Air Commission, um, you know, really just looked at the opportunity for a way to redesign VA healthcare. Um, you know, to maximize access to veterans where veterans are. It's important to note also that uh, you know, a lot of people kind of forget this, uh, is, is that these are just recommendations, right? And, and um, nothing is changing now for veteran health care, veteran access to care or VA employees, any potential changes um, to VA health care. Uh, VA health infrastructure is many years away. Some of these, some of these recommendations are measured in decades, not years. Uh, so, so that's that's always something to keep in mind. Um, and so, right now, we're in the middle of a robust uh, stakeholder engagement period and planning. Uh, but in the long run, uh, air, air, the Air uh, Commission recommendations could impact VA facilities around the country. But it's really too early to know exactly what's going to be happening. Well, I appreciate that, that Brian, very much because, you know, so many people were kind of panicking when they were hearing about the possibilities of some VA centers, you know, closing and some, you know, being moved or rebuilding new ones. And yeah. So- well, we don't, you know, we don't necessarily talk about, you know, closing isn't necessarily an accurate description. I realize it's semantics at this point. Uh, but you know, where one's closing, another one is being built, right? So, and, and usually somewhere in the area that's, you know, drivable. So that, that's one thing. Uh, but also, you know, and I can only speak for Ann Arbor, but Ann Arbor, uh, you know, the recommendations for Ann Arbor were all about growth, uh, not shrinking. So, and a lot of those things we've already put into place, you know, we are building new C-Box. We've got Canton coming online, hopefully next month. Uh, we've already got Adrian online, Howell by the end of, uh, the summer. And, uh, and and another Seabach in uh, Northwest Ohio coming on too. Oh, that's so, great. That's yeah. Great. And the Seabachs we do have uh, will be growing as well. We're going to be expanding those. Jackson, Flint are going to become Seabachs much. I, I, I realize a lot of folks want to understand some of these references who are listening, but, you know, Jackson and Flint, which are 10,000 square foot clinics will become more like Toledo clinics, which is a, 
you know, 60,000 square foot clinic, you know, we're going to start getting into the 30 to 60,000 square foot range, um, you know, really taking those specialty services out to where veterans are. Okay, so could you repeat where those places are? You said you call them CBOTs? Yeah, they're called CBOTs in our, in our vernacular, community-based outpatient clinic, just clinic for short, right? Yeah. It's just it's yeah. a clinic. Uh, and we have them in, uh, we already have them in Toledo, uh, Flint, and Jackson. We just opened one in Adrian, Michigan last October. We have one coming online, a 40,000 square foot clinic coming online in Canton, hopefully next month. We ran into some delays with that because there was a national shortage of fiber optic cables. So we couldn't get fiber, we couldn't get data into the clinic, which cost, which cost us uh, a little bit of time getting that done. But now we've, we've, we've found some, there was no, there was literally no fiber optic cable in the country, Uh, but they found some. And so now that's being done and uh, hopefully that'll be done. And then, um, uh, we've also got another one coming on in Howell, Michigan, which is in Livingston County. And, uh, and then we've got uh, another one that we'll probably be getting on hopefully uh, or spring of next year, maybe late next year in, uh, in Ohio. Okay. Oh, it's our, our, the Ann Arbor reach extends pretty far. We get down into the Northwest part of Ohio too. I was going to say, it sounds like things are, uh, expanding on it. Uh, right. <laughs> and, that, and that's really the, the story of the Air Commission report for Ann Arbor. I can't speak for every facility around the country, uh, but for Ann Arbor, it's about growth. And the fact that really most of those recommendations uh, we, we had already executed, we were already in the middle of doing most of this work. So what's um, what's what's up with the, the VA right now as far as protocol is concerned regarding COVID? Well, we're, uh, you know, as a healthcare facility, we're still, you know, lagging behind the rest of the country as far as masking, uh, re- uh, relief from masking is concerned. So so I, I don't see us uh, taking off masks anytime soon in the facility. And we haven't updated our visitor policy yet, um, mainly because, uh, you know, the, the relief from uh, that we're experiencing right now could be temporary. We'd like to see this continue a little bit more, uh, have us a little bit more in, in what CDC calls the low category, the low infection risk category, send that for a little while longer before we start thinking about uh, changing our visitor policy and allowing, you know, just anybody into the facility like we used to. Right now it's strictly patients and and their caregivers. Okay. Can you tell me, can you tell me a little bit about the population of, of the Ann Arbor VA? Is it, I'm, I'm assuming it must be trending younger a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, getting into the math of it, but more, there are a lot more, just a couple of years ago, the number of uh, Iraqi and Afghanistan, Persian Gulf War veterans uh, exceeded the number of Vietnam veterans for the first time in the country's history. Uh, but uh, VA patients are still way, uh, Vietnam veterans still, you know, way outnumber anybody else as far as VA patients are concerned. So our, our veteran population has pretty much remained the same, give or take one or 2% over the last four or five years. We're, we have a right around 70,000 veterans that we serve in Ann Arbor. And uh, like I said, sometimes it's 68,000, sometimes 71,000. It just kind of fluctuates right around there. We're not seeing the decline in veteran population that some facilities are seeing in the five and 10% range around the country. Um, Hey, Brian, Um, I got a question for you. I recently received several phone calls. Now, this is in the 
mental health arena. Um, are you aware that they have changed any protocols regarding treatment? And I'll give you the examples. I'm getting calls from some of our veterans that say that their providers are asking them to call back um, instead of scheduling appointments like every two to three weeks or um, putting that in the protocol, they are asking the veteran to call back to their team in two to three weeks as a therapeutic approach to how their medication is going. Um, and, and that was new to me. And, but I've had, I want to say a pattern occurring with veterans calling me and telling me that their provider is asking them to do that. Have you heard anything about a change in no, this protocol? Uh, yeah, no, nothing, nothing like that as far as what individual clinics, you know, how they execute, uh, okay. you know, what they're doing. Um, it could, it could be more to do, you know, with the veterans schedule uh, sure. when they're available and that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, or, or more what I said to the veteran, an individualized treatment plan for that veteran to mm-hmm. see if they were going to be, you know, um, compliant. That's, sure. that, that's the only thing I could think of because I hadn't heard that this was going to be a new modality for mental health. Yeah. I'm not sure that it's a, you know, as you say, a, a modality. It could just be, you know, part of individual veterans treatment plan. But like I said, I would just be speculating because I don't get involved in, in the, um, you know, the kind of in the weeds on, on how veterans are treated in individual clinics. Well, I could, I could, I have a little statistic here that says, boy, the newly released survey shows VA leads in patient experience. Mm-hmm. How's that? That's pretty it cool. Does. Yeah, we uh, and, and as far as quality of care goes, we recently uh, beat almost every facility in uh, the, the area, with the exception of the. Uh, I, I want to say which. What's the name of the hospital in Chelsea? Is that what is that? What is that one? Is, is that a St. Joe? I think it's St. Joe and Chelsea. Yes, they yes. were the, they, they were number one, and VA Ann Arbor Healthcare System was number two, uh, with a uh, with with uh, University of Michigan a, a close third. Well, so we did really I'm, well. Uh, they did. This is. I'm. I'm looking at this. It says across the country. Mm-hmm. It says that um, over fifty. It says fifty-four percent of VA medical centers received a four or a five. I don't know what the letters stand for. Stars for patient <laughs> patient survey. <laughs> Shep. Does it say Shep? H C A H P S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are quality of care scores. Okay. Uh, and uh, and not only that, but when in surveys we send out uh, after veterans receive care, they usually get a little short, you know, email survey. Uh, and right now, uh, with the question, the, it, it, one of the questions is, do you trust VA to provide your health care? And VA Ann Arbor right now is at ninety four percent. So we're it's just uh, yeah, and VA in general is at ninety one percent. So so one of the things that uh, that we learned from the pandemic was that veterans trust VA and uh, in, in, in sometimes the most um, I don't want to say the most dire of circumstances. What's the, the word I'm looking for? I think is most serious of circumstances. Uh, that's when veterans really come to VA and they trust us for their care. Well, I I, I think so, and and. It's, you know, as a matter of protocol here, we have, I have to mention that the Ann Arbor VA does uh, sponsor Veterans Radio as one of our sponsors uh, for clarity there. But um, the idea is that, and I'm just talking about reminding veterans out there, they can still go to um, an outside medical facility if it's an emergency. Is that correct? 
Yeah, in most cases, sometimes they have to be, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in an emergency, obviously, you're not going to call and get pre-approval. But you have a, uh, and I'm not sure what the numbers are, but you have a very finite time to call after your discharge from that emergency to get reimbursed or to get that care paid for. If you wait beyond that time, there's no legal mechanism for VA to pay for your care. So you have to, you have to get in. And I, and I believe it's pretty brief, too. I want to say it's like less than 48 hours. Uh, we would have 72. to seven. Okay. 72 hours, which is longer than I thought. Uh, Mike's always got the right answer. But yeah. So you've got 72 hours after you're discharged from an emergency room uh, to get, to get that, to let VA know. Um, but anyway, one of the things I wanted to leave you to with, um, you know, before I, uh, before you let me go, Dale was the website for the air commission report before I leave. Okay. And that's real easy to get to it's va.gov slash air commission report. So anybody can, yep, anybody can go to that and you can read the whole thing. If you, if you're, if you really, if you're really that eager to, you're really that eager to read a several thousand page government report, but, uh, but it's all there. How, what do, how do you, is that spelled A-I-A-I-R-E? Yep. A-I-R-C-O-M-M-I-S-S-I-O-N-R-E-P-O-R-T. Did I win the spelling bee? I think so. I think so. It's, it's right up there with a supercalifragilistic. Um, <laughs> Actually, if you just go to va.gov, you'll be able to fish around and find it there. Too. And, and, I, and I should point out to our audience that there's a, a whole lot of, of great information on the VA's website. Uh, it's just va.gov. And you can even, you know, I get a lot of the I, <laughs> questions that I have for Brian and for other people um, just by looking at their website, looking at their press releases, and, you know, I'll see what the VA is up to. And, you know, I, I encourage all of you out there, you know, check in with your local VA once in a while to see what is going on out there. And maybe there's something that you're not aware of. Maybe there's a different, you know, a new program that you could benefit from. And because I was looking at all kinds of different things that aren't even, a, you know, they're not even associated with the disability side of the, mm-hmm. the ledger. And, you know, the, the um, you know, the grants for improving your home. Sure. Um, just, just all kinds of things. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff there for you when you go to, you know, va.gov or annarbor.va.gov. So that's our unique website in the VA system. And you'll find services there that you probably didn't know existed. There are hundreds of services beyond healthcare that uh, VA offers for veterans. Well, Brian, thank you very much. We've been talking with Brian Hayes of the Ann Arbor VA about what's going on with our local healthcare system. And we encourage you, as I said before, to go and check out your local VA facility and see, you know, what there's anything out there that you need that maybe they can help you with. I know they've got a great homeless plan. Um, everything they're trying to do to, to, to get veterans off the streets um, and, and, and find them shelter. And I, I again, uh, we appreciate it very much, Brian. Thanks for being on the program again. Thank you. We'll see you next month. Okay. All right. So, see, this is where you come. The Voice of America's Veterans, this is where you come to get the information that you are need to uh, help yourselves out, help you and your families out. You know, we've talked a lot about some of the, of the family benefits that are offered through the, VA, through the VA as well. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be looking to uh, answer any disability questions you might have. And with our guests, Carol Ann Falcone and Michael Smith has joined us from the Washtenaw County Veterans Service Office. And... Uh, I think Derek's got got the program from me. Yay. All right. So we're going to go listen to our Medal of Honor. By the way, um, the 29th is Vietnam Veterans uh, Day. 
And so that's why we're playing a, a Vietnam Veteran Medal of Honor segment today. This is Sammy Davis, not that one. All right. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Veterans Radio. The Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one of them. PFC Sammy Davis is often called the real Forrest Gump. Details after this. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. Davis enlisted in the Army. He volunteered for the artillery because his father had been an artillery man in World War II and then asked to be sent to Vietnam. In November 1967, his unit was helicoptered into Firebase Cudgel. Shortly after midnight, Battery C came under a heavy mortar attack. At the same time, 1,500 Viet Cong launched an intensive ground assault. Davis's squad was operating a 105mm howitzer that fired 18,000 beehive darts in each shell. When he saw how close the VC were, he took over a machine gun and provided cover for his crew. Convinced they couldn't survive the attack, he rammed a shell into the gun and fired point-blank into the enemy. A mortar round exploded nearby, knocking Davis to the ground, but he got up and kept firing the howitzer. When he ran out of beehives, he fired a white phosphorus shell, and then the last round he had, a propaganda shell filled with leaflets. He heard yelling from the other side of the river, and despite the fact that he couldn't swim, paddled across on an air mattress. Other GIs followed him. He found three wounded soldiers, gave them morphine, and provided covering fire as another GI helped one of the wounded across the river. Davis pulled the other two through the water on the air mattress and resumed the fight. Just before dawn, Davis was wounded in the back and buttocks by friendly fire. President Johnson presented him the Medal of Honor on November 19, 1968. Footage of LBJ putting the medal around Davis's neck appeared in the movie Forrest Gump, Tom Hanks's head substituted for Davis's. Gump's fictional citation was loosely based on Davis's real one. The Medal of Honor series is a production of Veterans Radio. Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative, maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. Even small actions can make a world of difference. If you know a veteran in crisis, please call the Veterans Crisis Line, 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. And we're back here on Veterans Radio, and that was the Medal of Honor with Sammy Davis. June, Sammy Davis, um... Who is, uh, he's a really, he's a character. I mean, you can just tell by the, you know, firing leaflets at the bad guys. Um, we had him on our program. So you can go and listen to our interview with Sammy Davis by going to veteransradio.net and type in Sammy Davis and you'll be able to, uh, listen to his whole story. He had written a book about it. I think his, his comment was, you know, he says, you're not a failure if you get knocked down and you're not a failure if you don't get up. That's, that's what it comes out to. And you got to keep going. So the number here is 734-822-1600. That's 734-822-1600. Joining me right now are Carol Ann Fasson, retired Brigadier General in the United States Air Force and working with um, Legal Help for Veterans. 
and Michael Smith, who is the executive director of the Washtenaw County Veterans Service Office. And they're here to answer your questions. So again, you know, got the phone number, give us a call. We'll be more than happy to talk to you. So I'm going to go right to Michael here and I'm going to ask you a question that I found out. Um, well, there was, there was a discussion, I guess you could say, flying through the, um, the air about some of the changes in disability ratings that are, that are proposed. Could you uh, talk about some of those possibly? Um, so do you know exactly which ones you want to address or? Yes, yes. I'm, looking, I'm looking at respiratory, auditory, and mental disorders. They were talking about uh, the VA proposed updates in their rating schedule for respiratory, auditory, and mental disorders. Um, I should point out, really, everybody that's already rated, grandfathered, they're not going to be changing your ratings. But evidently, they, they are uh, looking at changing some of these ratings based on today's modality or medic, medical science. Maybe Carolina should ask you this one. Right, well, I mean, <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering exactly what it is you want to know about it because, um, so when the VA proposes rules changes, um, they have to promulgate those proposals in the Federal Register, and according to the um, Administrative Procedures Act, the APA, there is a 60-day period of time in which stakeholders have to comment on those proposed changes. And then after that window closes, the VA or any executive agency uh, for that matter is required to respond to every single one of those questions or um, statements or any input. And the final rules could potentially be different than what we're looking at now. So that's the caveat. With that being said, yes, there are some proposed changes to the rating schedule. Um, for those who don't know anything about the rating schedule, and I hope General Fasson will back me up here, they make medical sense. Mm-hmm. They just do. I'll give you one of them. Um, ear, nose, and throat and some of those ratings uh, in the schedule are actually on separate schedules. Well, ear, nose, and throat, and they, they go together. So the VA is actually combining what is consistent with the way the medical world combines those yeah. those functions on their rating schedule, where they should be. So yes, that will then affect things like sleep apnea, or that that's actually excuse me that has to do with respiratory conditions. And there's there's proposed changes to respiratory conditions that again is more consistent with treatment because all of them right now are rated on. Um, um, your forced lung function or your fung, lung function test. Mm-hmm. And that's not always an accurate measure of, of a lot of respiratory conditions. And some of those sleep apnea ratings are not really consistent with how sleep apnea works and doesn't work. I will give you one example. Um, I don't want to get into, I'll, well, we could get into the mental health ones because they too also make sense. But here's one that a lot of people didn't know about, but I was there when it happened. Tinnitus or tinnitus, at one time, the VA was not rating those at all. The VFW, thank goodness for them, took them to task on what was in the rating schedule at the time. And they were filing claims for bilateral tinnitus, bilateral tinnitus, because it it appeared that that's what was allowed and that there was nothing in the schedule because the the VA was rating it 
one ear at a time. Okay. And, and, and the VFW rightly pointed out, no, the schedule calls for bilateral ratings. So to settle the issue with the VFW, they literally created a separate rating for tinnitus, separate from the medical condition of origin to which it's associated, such as hearing loss, Meniere's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, with, there's two other ones. One's a heart condition, some uh, atherosclerotic heart condition or some other. And um, there's another, oh, uh, TBI. TBI. Or in post-concussive syndrome. So what they're saying is tinnitus is a secondary condition or a symptom of a, uh, of a medical condition of origin and should never have been set up in the rating schedule as a separate medical condition. So what they're doing with it is they're now adding it to the symptomatology of the medical conditions of origin, such as Meniere's. So meaning if you have tinnitus, that means you get maybe a 20% rating as opposed to a 10% rating. So that, again, makes medical sense because tinnitus is not a standalone disability. I mean, it just doesn't exist in the vacuum. You just won't walk around and all of a sudden start getting ringing in the ears out of nowhere. It's associated with some other medical condition. General Fasson, am I? I, Michael, and the tinnitus was a fabulous example because... Um, it's a good one. There, it's, it should be secondary. There should be something that's the origin and the Meniere's is the best example to give. And, um, as of right now, tinnitus is 10%. So if they do change this and they grandfather, I could see people going back and opening up these claims to say, okay, I have a TBI and it was caused because of this. Are you going to increase my rating? So, you know, and tinnitus won't be a standalone anymore. I think people will be going back to to establish it is secondary to what was the origin. So that was a very good example. And then um, with the mental health, we will wait to see what happens with that one. But if it doesn't change for you. And so people have been calling in and they've been very anxious that they're going to lose their ratings. And that is really clear that they will be grandfathered. So if there is nothing else that could be associated with it, they're not going to lose their current rating and go to zero. So I, I think that you know, the VA is handling this appropriately. Um, you know, you might go up, but you won't lose what you have as they um, redefine these roles, I think, for the better. And sleep apnea was another good example that you used, um, where they're just redefining the way science is, um, the way it should happen medically. Right, I know that they are they are looking at it as far as uh, diagnosis is concerned and treatments which have changed over the years. Right. Right. And um, I, I, Michael, I saw you. I didn't know if you were shaking your head that that they weren't going to go back. So let's suppose I, since I suffer from tinnitus, um, tinnitus, um, and I go and get it checked again or whatever it is, and they they're not going to lower me to zero, but they could possibly move it up. No. Or, or is that possibility that they go, oh, no, you're cured. Go away. No. Okay. Let's let's just real be, really be clear right now. Yes, that's what I want to make right. sure. Everybody that's rated right now, 
under the current rating schedule, as the laws exist now, nothing will happen to your ratings. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. You won't go up. You won't go down. You won't lose them. You won't have your service connection won't be severed for those who don't have a condition, who don't meet the required criteria. No, your ratings as they are currently established under the current laws and rules will not be touched. Now, if you, if you, and I, Tenet, this is not a really good example because right now you have a standalone rating that's only 10%. So I don't know why you would want to reopen that because there is no higher rating. Okay. Even if they add it as a secondary condition to Meniere's TBI and the medical conditions of origin, if you don't have that medical condition, then you right. won't be doing anything with your tenants. Right. Right. Now, if you get Meniere's, what is, what then is your Meniere's will be what rated is, what minus is, the tinnitus because you already hold a 10% rating for that. What is Meniere's? Well, it's a medical condition that uh, it affects the nerves and the skin, and it, uh, it, it, it you can get vertigo, uh, uh, tinnitus, and other uh, manifested uh, kind of weird symptoms that just come out of nowhere. Right. Okay. It's, it, your inner ear is related to the ENT, you know, as Michael said, the vertigo, um, the balance. Sometimes, you, you know, you hardly could walk. You feel like you're on the floor. Um, your head is spinning. So, okay. Now, 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 for anyone going forward and anyone wanting to reopen their claim for a higher rating, say, for instance, they think under the new rating schedules, they'll get a higher rating than that. Then they're going to take the chances of the rules that affect, you know, the protected ratings that you may have. Because let's go to the mental health rating schedule. Okay. Um, for most people who have never read the rating schedule, the criteria for the 0%, 10%, 30%, 50%, 70%, and 100% ratings for mental health are for all mental health disorders. The criteria are the same. Mm-hmm. For the people that they rate for PTSD, the people that they rate with schizophrenia, the people that they rate for um, Alzheimer's, dementia, major depressive disorder, Manic depressive, all of those they rate with the same symptomatology. Now, with that out there, everybody here knows people with schizophrenia have different symptomatology than people with major depressive disorder who have different symptomatology than those who have PTSD, mm-hmm. than those who have dementia. But yet the rating schedule that the VA has used forever rates every single one of those mental health conditions with the same symptomatology. So it does need to go. It needs to go bye-bye, and it needed to go bye-bye a long time ago. And what they're doing is, and because this is, you got to understand, remember, the rate disability compensation was intended to make up for our lost earning capacity in the marketplace. We're there to be compensated. Okay, so if our disabilities are not impacting our ability to earn money, then we don't actually need it in Mm -hmm. a sense. So what what they're basically doing again with these ratings and the rating schedule is based on the likelihood that many of these conditions can get better with treatment, 
then they're and they're looking at how they're rating things in terms of how people are being treated. Meaning you're not going to be a hundred percent disabled with your PTSD your entire life. Now there are some who will be. And 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 those who have gone back for reevaluations have been proven to have been justifiably rated a hundred percent and remain a hundred percent. But there are some who actually improve with treatment or with physical disabilities, like uh, other conditions that can, uh, through physical therapy or other treatment, get better. Cancer is a real good one. The minute the cancer is gone, the VA changes the rating because mm-hmm. the disability is gone. Right. Yep. So you go from 100% temporary to a zero once the cancer is gone. Right. So, I mean, that's just that example. So what they're doing with these ratings are they're changing them to show that, hey, if there's people get improved with treatment, then their ratings are going to change. Mental health, they're going to score you, I believe, zero, one, two, three, four, five. And your one, two, three, four, five is going to, you know, be based on how many of these symptoms do you have? If you have, and so as you progressively get more symptoms, you get a higher score. And then at the end, it shakes out to how many threes do you have? How many fours do you have? How many fives do you have? And then they get an average of what yours is going to be. And then that's how your rating, your rating will equivocate to whatever a three is or a four. Okay. Or a five or a two. Oh, okay. Well, it makes, I mean, it makes sense today's, you know, the treatments have all changed so dramatically since the VA's disability system was put in place back in the forties in most cases. And a lot of it hasn't changed at all. And we know that there are many more conditions that are, I won't say curable, but are certainly treatable. And, um, so I, th- I think that's that's one of the things that we have to make our audience really aware of is that it's meant to compensate you for the inability to work, yes. and the, you know, and that it's not it's not designed to re- replace all of your income, you know, if you can still work. Well, and 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 the VA also in their rating schedule also takes into consideration the impact of these disabilities on your ability to socially recreate as well. Mm-hmm. So, but earning capacity is certainly one. Uh, and, and the main focus of the compensation, but they also see how it negatively impacts your quality of life. And I think the interesting thing that we all need to remember is you could have the same diagnosis as the next person, but that doesn't mean you get the same rating as the next person. Each individual needs to be rated on their own and it needs to be evaluated. I mean, we get, and I'm sure Michael gets this too, um, in, you know, in Washtenaw, well, my buddy got this, how come I only got this? And, um, you know, we need to look at the story and peel, you know, all the layers back and everybody has their own story. And um, I I think we have to remember that. And, uh, you know, everybody doesn't get the same rating because it's a different quality of life. And, um, you know, I I said this to a, a veteran the other day, you're driving, you're functioning. The other veteran that you're talking about doesn't leave the home. He's homebound. He's not able to do anything. Um, he's not hardly functioning like you are. So how could you be on the same scale? So, and it's sometimes hard to sink in when you are 
when these veterans are equating it, I hate to say this, with money and what's coming in with their disability. Well, I think, you know, the veterans get together, you know, they're socialized and they say, oh, I just got my letter. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm whatever, I'm, I'm 60% disabled for this. And you're going, wait a second, I have the same thing. And they gave me 30%. Well, it all depends on how it affects your life, you know, as Michael just pointed out. How does it affect your lifestyle? And, you know, as you said, you know, are, are you, you know, have you become a hermit? Or are you still out in, you know, out there socializing? I think all those things come into play. And it wasn't just the mental health. They were talking about, uh, you know, respiratory issues, um, the, the sleep apnea. And the, sleep apnea. Because you know, that, and, and you yeah. mentioned that, that, um, it was the one test that they give you, you know, the, the, the pulmonary function test, I think yeah, it is. The pulmonary function test, yeah. PFTs. Right. You know, it, even though you can blow whatever percentage it is that they're looking at, and you go, well, you're just fine. You go, well, how come I can't breathe? Um, you know, General, Fasson, thing- General Fasson, I like your example because it, it actually uh, made me think about something. Um, and, and it was weird how this happened to me. Um, uh, I became aware of one particular um, Marine reservist uh, because it was from uh, Celine. And I'm sure if I say the name Corporal Lockwood, um, many might still remember that he was not only a Marine reservist, but he was also a Washtenaw County Sheriff uh, Deputy Reserve and then Celine police officer. And uh, he was in a Marine unit that went through some things in Iraq. And when he came back, you know, there's a lot of fundraising going on, a lot of trying to take care of him. He was in an IED explosion. And so he obviously was rated for his PTSD and other many uh, physical disabilities. He was back and forth between Walter Reed and Brooks and here. And he was just, you know, surgeries and being. So while this, we took care of him, you know, his service connections, worked with the DOD to make sure we got his uh, and maybe a year or so later, I, I, I'm working with this other veteran. And let's just say the story goes, I end up working with about four different people from that very same unit. And never knew that they were related until they were telling us the, their story right. about what happened. And I'm like, wait a minute, do you know Corporal Lockwood? And yeah, he, Lockwood was in the vehicle in front of me. And, and guess what? All four of them had four different ratings for their PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> They were all in the same, they were all in the very same experience Mm -hmm. in the very same IED attack on their convoy. Right. Um, Two up, three of them were in the same vehicle. One was in a vehicle behind Corporal Lockwood. So they all had different uh, physical and and mental disabilities. Um, But yes, they all had four different ratings for their PTSD. And believe it or not, as much as I like to advocate for the higher ratings, they were appropriate. They're they were the, appropriate. the ones who were at thirty yeah. percent. Their their thirty percent evaluations were appropriate. Right. But that's because of how each individual right. deals with their their stress response. Right, has a lot to do with that. And then once you come back and decompress, and then how you process your traumas, each individual is different. And that's why there's those separate ratings. And just like there's separate ratings for a person who's had a, a leg removed. As opposed to me, I just got a bad knee because, you know, Mm -hmm. I blew it out playing softball during PT. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) You fell off. You fell during the confidence course. (laughs) I like that better. (laughs) Well, (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I like confidence course better than softball. Yeah, I was engaging the confidence course. Right. That blew out my knee. That's right. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to run that four. Sliding in the first. <laughs> trying to do that, you know, that six-minute mile that they wanted me to do <laughs> in, my, in my combat boots. And there it was. You know, that's why I have lousy feet. But anyway, um, the, the question was just just asked in our chat room was about the idea of, of these different ratings for for different people. And I think it's, it, it is important for our for our audience to understand that everybody's experience, as, as we've always talked about, is, is different. And, you know, if it's if we're talking only mental health, as, you, as Michael just pointed out, the idea of four people being in the same incident and each one of them reacted differently. And so you're going to get a different rating for those types of things. And that's understandable. And, you know, it's almost like hearing. Well, you know, they go through that whole test with you and they say, okay, well, you know, you you can't, you know, you, you get a zero rating, but you get the free hearing aids. Well, at least you can hear with the hearing aids. You're not like some of our friends who, you know, can't hear even with the hearing aids. And so they, you know, obviously they would be entitled to more um, as far as that's concerned. Um, are there any other conditions? I know I was reading an article but Dale, Dale, um, you know, I struggle um, with some of the individuals who get upset when data really does give the best examples. And let me just share this with you, whether it's hearing or the sleep apnea, when you're in a sleep test and you're there and you're, you're all wired up um, for like 12 hours and they're running all these tests on you and you could see literally that somebody is not breathing 18 times and all the parameters that are set up, you know, 18 times in an hour or two times in an hour, and there is good criteria. Now, that for me is very measurable. So that if I give you a 50% rating for sleep apnea and give you a machine, because this is your data, this is what your information shows versus the woman or, you know, a serviceman or woman who gets zero percent yes you have sleep apnea but you're over here on this linear line that is good data for me and that is the same with um tinnitus when you go in the hearing booth um you know when they say your left ear you're deaf but your right ear you're at 95 percent that is really good data and proof um, for me, and it's very objective, it's not subjective, and it's something that I think a practitioner could hang their hat on, and I could show to somebody to say, this is why you got the rating. And then you go to the scheduler, like Michael was talking about, it's all written up. If you have these symptoms, you've got these signs, you've got these, this is the rating you get. And, and I think it's pretty clear if you understand the process. It's like a recipe if you're going to make a cake. And it's, it's pretty clear if you know what you're looking for. Well, that's true. I mean, I, I have looked at those 
definitions of you know of the various conditions and so forth and they're very specific if you, you know you you know you could have five out of seven symptoms uh, to get this rating and then if you get one more of those things then it bumps you up to another level and that and that all makes sense and I, I, I was anyway the, the, what I was going to talk about was uh, uh, the, the burn pit thing right now obviously is a, is a is a big cause for alarm with so many of the Iraq Afghanistan veterans that, that how many of them have been exposed to it and you know are trying to get their way through the system themselves and so I, I just wanted to know if you've if you've seen an uptick in claims for that or how is how are you, how is that being handled today well i think probably the same as michael uh, uh claims are coming in you know we've just seen recently the esophageal issues that the VA is looking at. Um, and so claims are being put in, whether the VA um, is recognizing any of these um, entities, um, we're putting them in and we're keeping them alive. If we get a denial, we keep going at them, trying to get different um um, I, I don't want to say ammunition, but if the veteran continues to have issues with burn pit issues, whether it's respiratory, um, you know, uh, central nervous system, any of those issues, we keep supplying evidence to keep their claims alive. And um, until the day that the VA comes along and says, yes, this is going to be a presumptive, then we'll be ready. But there are veterans supplying um, claims. And so um, we just got to keep this going um, regarding these issues because we know there are a lot, there's cancers out there regarding the burn pits. There are so many, so many things that we don't even know yet out there and that's why I, we always encourage you at veterans radio here to contact a veteran service officer in your area whether it's a you know it's a county officer or it's a you know paralyzed veterans of america what american legion or a, you know somebody you know like a, a legal help for veterans is you need help to get through the system and sometimes you need help just to get into the system and i encourage everybody to you know to contact you know, your local VSO veteran service officer to find out what you may be entitled to or what you've earned or what you, you know, you need to apply for. And if you're working, and this is, this just reminded me of somebody that contacted me earlier today was about um, a friend and, you know, they're going, well, you know, he had a stroke and he had this and he had this problem and so forth. And I'm going, were any of them service connected? And I said, no, they weren't. I said, well, then we really can't do anything for you regarding that. You need to contact your local county social service office and you'll be able to find help there, I think. And so that's one of the benefits I think that we're providing here, you know, with our benefits program is just trying to point people in the right direction because, you know, both of you, you know, we're talking with uh, Michael Smith from the Washtenaw County Veterans Service Office and Caroline Fasson from Legal Health for Veterans are experts in this field. They're certified to help us, you know, utilize the system to the best of, of, of our abilities. And because it's it's complicated, folks. And all of you out there, I'm sure, have experiences with it being complicated. So, I, again, I encourage you to do that. Um, well, coming up, I think we got about five minutes or so to go. Yep, oh, it just waved at me five minutes. And... Uh, 
So is there, there, is there any other issue that we, we should bring up that uh, would be uh, of interest to our audience? Well, I mean, we're, we're keeping our eyes on the, those rules that are uh, changing right now. A lot of the service organizations, uh, like the Disabled American Veterans, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, the American Legion, they're um, writing in and, 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 and taking issue with some of the proposals uh, from the perspective of the advocates out in the community. And that's what they do, and they do it really well. Uh, they've been doing it for a long time. And a lot of the legislation and a lot of the rules and, and laws that we have right now uh, were the result of the hard work of our service organization partners at that federal government level right there in Washington, D.C., lobbying for us uh, veterans out here on uh, uh, from that perspective. So we're just going to keep our eyes on that, uh, definitely keep our eyes on <clears throat> claims for the burn pits now that they actually recognize the is it sinusitis, rhinitis, and one of the other itises. <laughs> They've just gone ahead and established those as presumptive conditions related to the burn pits. But as General Fasson alluded, they did not recognize some of the cancers, and one of them in particular is brain cancer. And uh, that's it's the literature is out there. The science is out there. Trust the science. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we're hoping that, that at some point that they will add all the cancers that they know are related to burn pit exposure. Now, a lot of people have to remember Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom just were not the countries of Iraq and Afghanistan. It was the entire theater of operations. So if you were in Uzbekistan, Djibouti, Somalia, because they were using burn pits there before we even got into Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, and, and other areas of operation, UAE. Um, so there may be some other areas or other countries where those burn pits were. And if you were stationed there then and you were exposed, then you have some of these new presumptive conditions or the ones that they're looking at um, establishing a service connected, then yes, you should contact the service officer, county, state veteran service officer, uh, veteran service officer with a service organization, because we're going to be abreast of all the, the current laws and rules pertaining to those types of claims. I think, I think it's really important. And if you have a, you know, if you have your claim denied, um, you know, again, your veteran service officer, the legal help for veterans or other firms that are out there are there to help you. I mean, really everybody's trying to figure out how to get to yes, if they can. And um, so I encourage you. And, you know, if you have a friend who is a veteran who has some problems and, you know, has never filed a claim and probably, you know, should have years ago, try to convince them to contact, you know, one of these veteran service offices and at least find out what's going on. Or you can just call me directly or send me an email. I'll follow it. I'll follow it, you know, forward it on to uh, Carol Ann or to Michael and, and, you know, see what we can do to help you out. And that's, that's the name of the game here. That's what we're doing. We're trying to help you to get what you deserve and make sure that your family is helped out just as well. There's so many other benefits we didn't even touch on with Brian from the VA that I was reading about earlier today. Um, some of them have been reinstated, which is kind of postpone some stuff so yeah um, the one the two two comments um with brian being on today and the assessment with the c box i think that's spectacular because the c box bring it you know the echelons of care it brings it closer to your home and being able to offer more services closer to your home so you don't have to go to the major medical centers. And I think that's awesome. Um, so you're nearer to your home and being 
able to do that. The other thing, I I just had a really sad situation. So putting in for these claims, um, it was a Vietnam family. He was definitely in Agent Orange, the diabetes, the, the cardiac issues. And he ended up prostate cancer. He ended up dying. Um, the wife would obviously, they didn't put in for anything. She could have gone after DIC and she ended up with cancer and she died. And so I got the question, could the kids apply? And the answer was no. And so this was a sad situation. So um, if the family would have put in, um, you know, when he was alive, that potentially could have been something for that family. So please put the claims in. Hey, we got to go. Another program in the can. Thank you all very much. You've been listening to Veterans Radio. This is Dale Thronberry, and you are dismissed.